Hey guys, welcome back. We're going to be in Mark 4, 26 through 34 today. Mark 4, 26 through 34. Uh, we got to get right to work. We have basically double the scripture. Okay, basically double the scripture and, and, and two sermons in one, really because Pastor Pedro and Pastor Ryan screwed up the entire schedule. I'm just kidding. It was me. It was me. I was, was just kidding. Just wanted to give him a shout out real quick. So Mark 4, 26 through 34. Mark 4, 26 through 34. Turn there with me. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Can y'all say kingdom? One, two, three. Kingdom. Can y'all say kingdom? One, two, three. Kingdom. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. We got to push a huge pause button, really an eight minute pause button here, because Jesus drops the K-bomb. Now the K-bomb, kingdom, is talked about 160 times in the New Testament. Jesus talks about it 126 times in the Gospels alone. Jesus talks about it metaphorically. Talks about it metaphorically. He talks about the kingdom of God being mustard seed, a leaven, a net, a treasure. Talks about it categorically. Talks about who the king is, who the subjects are. Mostly, most of the time the subjects are lost. They're a lost sheep. They're a lost coin. They're a lost son. Let me give you a little deal breaker. In every single one of those scenarios, uh, the king finds the lost subject loves the lost subject, celebrates when he finds his children, when he finds the people of his kingdom. Uh, he talks about the kingdom in terms of proximity. He talks about the kingdom. He says, he says repent for the kingdom is near. That's right. You guys are really smart. He talks about the kingdom's tenacity and his famous teaching on how to pray. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He talks about the kingdom's priority. He says, seek first the kingdom and the rest will be added to you. He talks about the kingdom's destiny. A lot of times we think about the kingdom, we think heaven's up here, hell's way down here, and, and here's the earth, and he's going to kill the earth, and, and then there's just going to be heaven, and that's, and that's what's going on. But really, th throughout the entire Gospels, he, he wants the destiny of the kingdom to collide with earth, right? The kingdom of heaven collides with earth. He's going to establish a new heaven and a new earth. He talks about the kingdom positionally and progressively, meaning the kingdom is already here, yet it is not fully here. So we're talking about the K-bomb, okay? Because whenever we think about the kingdom, we're all left as like shrapnel. We're all over the place a little bit. I'm trying to understand the kingdom. Let me wrap it up in six words if I can. And when I get hot, my voice cracks. You thought that ended when I was 16. I thought it ended when I was 16. But it's going to come back. It's going to come back hot today. It's going to be lots of puberty going on today, Okay. Uh, he talk, I'm sorry, I, I just lost myself. The kingdom is where Jesus reigns. Let me wrap it up in six words. The kingdom is where Jesus reigns. So the more reign you give Jesus, the more submission, the more he reigns over your life, the more kingdom you're going to get. The more reign we give Jesus as a church, meaning I'm not trying to take the reins, I'm not trying to lead this church, I, I'm not trying to give this church to the, to the leadership here, but I give Jesus the reins. I'm not trying to give it to the culture, I'm trying to be culturally relevant all the time, I'm trying to talk about rappers in every sermon or, or, or trying to wear the right things that make you think this church is. The, the more I don't give the church to cultural relevance and the more I give Jesus and the spirit of God reign, the more we give Jesus and the spirit of Jesus in your family. This one's hard. Really easy to talk about, really hard to be about. Where, where Jesus, you love my kids more than me. Jesus, you love my wife more than me. Jesus, you love my future more than me. The more reign we give to Jesus and our family, the more kingdom we get to see. 
The more rain you give Jesus, the more kingdom you get to have. The more rain you give Jesus over our city, meaning standing on the steps of our city, saying, Jesus, rain down. The more you serve in this city, the more you serve at Fun Club, the more rain you give Jesus because the reigning king is a servant. This is the kingdom. It's a K-bomb. It's dynamic. It's not as simple. I put it into six words, but it's not as simple as I make it because the king trades in a throne for a cross, and then he trades in the cross for, for a throne. It's dynamic. This is the kingdom. And today Jesus gives us metaphors on what it looks like to understand the kingdom. Look, this is why Jesus gives us metaphor. If you want a child to understand something, you don't give them definitions. Try it. They're going to check out. They're going to take a nap right in the middle of your sentence. You give kids metaphor. You give them word picture. So Jesus hits his audience with two metaphors about seeds and farmers. I know that's not that relevant here in the city, in the concrete jungle, but lots of places it's relevant, especially in ancient Jerusalem, especially uh, where, where Jesus is speaking to his audience. Man, they, they, they know about a seed. They know about a mustard seed. Man, these people know about farming. And so he speaks to them because he wants his kingdom to reign in their lives. But look, rain is elusive. Rain is elusive, isn't it? Rain is something that's easy to talk about. I submit to you, God. We sing it in songs. I submit to you, God. But it's hard to be about. It's hard to live about. Think about it like dieting, okay? Dieting, really easy to talk about, really hard to live about. So maybe you're in the store, uh, and if you're like me, you look in one of these mirrors at whatever store you're in, uh, and it, for some reason it's like out of this like weird, creepy funhouse mirror, okay? The lighting's bad. You're like, like I, I put on 40 pounds yesterday. I put on 40. So you start Googling the diet. I'm a Google diet. The, the most immediate thing you do is tell somebody about it. You call it accountability. But you get your friends on a WhatsApp app, and you get them on a WhatsApp chat, right? And you're like, hey, look, Jimmy, Sandy, Joe, Johnny, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing the all-kale, nibble-on-bamboo stick, eat chia seeds diet, and I'm going to kill it. I'm going to nail it. I'm going to lose 50. I'm going to have a six-pack. You just start telling people. You get on the book or the gram, right? You get in that, that, that bathroom pick mirror, that, that, that bathroom mirror pick. You're like, click, hashtag before. Really easy to talk about. We call it accountability. Really simple to mention to everybody, this is the diet I'm going on. That's 12 p.m. You do all of that from 12 to 1 p.m. 5 p.m., loaded baked potato nachos just land in front of you. You're like, it's cheat day. Your friends are like, it's day one. Can't be cheat day. It's not how it works. Really easy to talk about, really hard to live about. This is what surrender to Jesus is. Really easy to talk about. Really hard to live about. You guys know me. If you're brand new, I don't hold things back, hopefully. I get up here. Sometimes I'm a little bit convicting. <laughs> if you've been here for a while, you're like, yeah. It's, it's like at times you're like, Justin's kind of a jerk. But hopefully he does it through the Holy Spirit and he's teaching the Bible and we're all okay with it if he's a little bit of a jerk sometimes. And I get up here and, and I tell you, man, we got to repent. And you're like, yes, we do. And we're like, yes, God, you reign. I, I, I'm your son. I'm your daughter. You're my king. I love you. You're the father. 
I follow you really easy on Sunday. This is what we say all the time. Really amazing on Sunday. But what counts is Monday. What counts is Tuesday. What counts is, is Jesus reigning over your life? Are you calling his reign over the city? Are you calling his reign over your family on Thursday? That's what counts. Really easy to talk about, really hard to live about. So today, again, Jesus, obviously caring about this, talking about, he talks about 126 times, metaphorically, categorically, uh, with command. Obviously, he wants us to have chase to the kingdom because he wants to give us access. He wants you to have access. That's why he tells us in the most important prayer of all time, the Lord's Prayer, call down the kingdom. Understand, wrap your mind around the kingdom. What does it mean for God to reign over your life? Gives us two metaphors. We're going to hit those two metaphors today uh, as we study this scripture. Let's get back to it. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. And a seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. That's important. Farmer doesn't know. Okay, there's access to Wikipedia photosynthesis, but he knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. Okay, so, so here's what the kingdom is like. Jesus says, farmer plants seed. That's it. He might till the soil a little bit, plant it in the right spot. He doesn't plant it on top of a tree. Right? He plants it in the right spot, but all he does is plant the seed. And then dude sleeps. Taking naps. He don't know how it grows. He's not out there like Avengers style, you know, just trying to make the thing grow. Because he knows not how. That's not his role. There's so many implications here. I, I loved reading about this uh, because of all the implications that come along with it. Let's start here. If you love Jesus, you want more people to know Jesus, you want God's kingdom, kingdom to come. But here's the start of the process. Understanding that it's God's role to be the secret power. What I mean by the secret power is he, he only knows how this whole thing grows. It's your role to plant the seed and go to sleep. So he's the power, but you're just the partner. And I, I, don't, I don't mean to say that in a condescending way. I, I don't mean to have, have this be like a, a we're worthless gospel. That's not what I'm trying to preach here, okay? Uh, God has asked us to partner with him in the gospel of Jesus, but he is the power. We're just the partner. Imagine this. You're a kid. You ask your mom, your dad, your grandma, whoever. You're like, how does that tree grow? It's a question we've all had. So your grandma, your mom, whoever, is like photosynthesis. They're like, okay, mom, what's photosynthesis? Well, photosynthesis is a process used by plants and other organisms to convert light energy into chemical energy that can later be released to fuel organisms' activities. The chemical energy is stored in carbohydrate molecules, such as sugars, which are synthesized from carbon dioxide and water. Okay. What are you going to ask as a kid? But how does it grow? I'm, I'm glad, you, glad you wrapped your mind around this beautiful sentence about what photosynthesis is, but like, who makes it grow? Who puts the sun there? Who puts the tree there? Who puts the water there? Who puts the shade there? 
Who, who, who made up the concept of carbon dioxide and oxygen? And, and, and who makes it grow? Can you? I mean, I, I realize you Wikipedia an answer, but can you make it grow? See, God from the beginning has always been the power of the process. We've just been the partner. And that's okay. Like, here's what I want you to get today. That's good. For your freedom, for mine, for your perspective, and for mine, for your peace, and for me. This is really, really me. Because like, as a pastor, just so you know, your job description, your salary, your everything is tied to if the kingdom grows in your church or not. That's just real. Like, if I get up here and I lead and church don't grow, DS, they call him the DS. It's a real, like, oversight name, district superintendent. You can call me up one day. Hey, bub, it ain't going so well. So every night I have to go, can I sleep? <laughs> Did I do what I was supposed to do? Man, this is freedom for some of you. Know your role. Your role is not to grow the kingdom. Your role is to plant seeds, pray for somebody, love somebody, serve somebody. Sometimes you're going to pray for somebody, love somebody. You're going to pick them, at, pick them up at NAAA. You're going to take them to inpatient, take them to outpatient. You're going to stay up in the middle of the night, pray for them. You're going to hold their head over the toilet because they're drunk all the time. You can do all this. And sometimes they're going to walk away. But you have to go to bed. The farmer, farmer doesn't even water. You know, when you're driving through like Ohio, Ohio only got one thing, fields. And they got these big transformer looking things like out of a movie. They're like, how do they even get that there? This thing is massive, pours water over everything. You think your boy had this? You think the farmer had this? Farmer can't water it. Farmer just plants, goes to bed. He needs the heavens for everything else. This is you. I had one guy, man, he was a social, he was kind of a social mess. He'd offend all sorts of people. And the only thing he wanted to do with me is shoot guns, okay? Want to shoot guns. Now, just so you know, I realize we hate guns here. That's, that's good. Uh, people in Ohio or Michigan, they don't hate guns, okay? Lots of them carry it to church, okay? It's really weird. I get it. But this guy wanted to shoot guns constantly. I don't like him. But guess what I did? I went to his backyard in the backwoods, shot some guns with him, got to know him. Almost died like 12 times. I'm flying back 12, 12 yards, right? I just poured it into this guy, texting him all the time. How's your marriage? How are your kids? Met with him as much as possible. He took his life. That's him. That's not my job. So I have to be able to go to sleep. Like if I want to love people and not grow into a callous, bitter mess, I need to know what my role is. So Satan in that scenario was going, you didn't do enough. You could have shot guns more with him. Could have went hunting with him. Could have got a beer with him. Could have got coffee with him. Could have, could have stayed up with him late at night and abandoned your family for three days at a time. You could have done that, but you didn't. Right? That's what, that's what Satan does. Meanwhile, the father's going, son, son, you did what you could. 
rest is up to him and to the Father. Some of you, this is freedom. Know your role. The church is a place where people, especially control freaks. Me. Where control freaks prey on everything. On everything. And we step outside of our lane everywhere. Now this team should be doing this, and that team should be doing this, and this person should be doing this, and this person should be married this way, and this person should be earning money this way. And, and we start thinking about how we can control everybody. And God is a God of order. He says, son, plant the seed. Love somebody, serve somebody, pray for somebody, be faithful. Let me grow the kingdom. Daughter, let me grow the kingdom. You've got to plant the seed. This is someone in your life, and I realize that's pretty vague. This is just somebody. Could be a friend, could be a neighbor, could be a stranger, just somebody. The reason it's shaped like a heartbeat is because that's how life is, right? Life isn't one straight line. If it's one straight line for you, you're dead. Life is up and down. Sufferings, joys, mountaintops, valleys. Let's start with Psalm 139. Psalm 139. For you form my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you from fearfully and wonderfully made. And this is God's role. God creates, God loves, God's there from the beginning, and God is a chaser. We talked about those three parables from the beginning. Parable of the lost son, parable of the lost coin, uh, par- parable of the lost sheep, right? All three right in a row. God is the chaser. The whole time he's chasing after people. But this is you. This could be you. Here's a youth pastor. Man, I had a youth pastor. He was corny. Woo, was he corny. He pulled me into his office. Hey, watch this Christian hip-hop song. Like the, the worst song ever. And dudes are like, hey. I'm like, this is the worst. But in the end, once I got over how corny he was, that he was white with a fro, once I got over that, I'm like, yeah, that, guy, that guy loved me. He was chasing me through the power of God. Here's, the, here's some person on the train. Authentic, bold conversation. You ever had one of those? It's good. It's good. They, they might feel awkward at first, but maybe sometimes it brings it together. Sometimes it brings two people together. My dude, I'm going to call him out. I'm not going to say his name, but he's here today, and, and, and he, heard me, he, he heard me use the word fundraiser. Comes out to me, he's like, hey, man, I heard you say the F word. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. He's like, no, 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 fundraiser. And we struck up a relationship, and we're friends now. Okay? Maybe, maybe it's on the train. Maybe, maybe God uses suffering. Like God uses all sorts of things to bring people to him. But there, there's a neighbor that's just consistent, who's loving, who's bringing bread. You, you don't even want bread, but they're just bringing it by your house for no reason. All right, then there's this loving person who's just loving people for no reason. They're just giving money away, loving people, serving people. Right here, this person is pregnant with hope. This person's pregnant with the gospel. They just want to know who this God is that's chasing them. And maybe this is you. And the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you, telling, I want you to tell that person about me. 
Tell that person about Jesus. And here, here's you in the head. Oh, no. I don't know. I don't know. What if they ask me questions? I don't know Romans Road. I, don't, I, don't, I haven't memorized enough scripture. What if this? What if that? What if this? This is you. But maybe you take the bold step. And you're the one that gets to lead them to Jesus. You could be anywhere. You could be this person and never get to see the fruit. But man, you were faithful. You don't always get to see the fruit. But man, you, you faithfully planted that seed. That's amazing. This is what God is asking of you. Will you plant the seed? Will you do your job? Will you, will you do your role? And then when you sleep at night, will you be faithful? The farmer plants the seed, and God is not only the power, the photosynthesis, but he's also the one who harvests. He's also the judge. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. He's the God of the harvest. He controls all that. Look, Jesus is not asking you to bring the whole kingdom. But he is asking you to bring some. He's not asking you to be the power, but he is asking you to be the partner. This is not out of necessity. This is out of joy. God loves to use you. God wants you to see his power. He wants you to be a part of the photosynthesis. He wants you to be a part of this and know how big and how loving and how chasing he is. He's not asking you to bring the whole kingdom. He's asking you to bring a little bit, a prayer, a bold step, a giving moment, a discipleship moment. He's asking you to bring a little. Next parable, and he said, with what can we compare, I'm sorry, all right, Tony will get there for me at some point. Verse 30, and he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet when it's sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Jesus just needs your little so he can make a lot. He's not asking you to bring the whole kingdom. Jesus needs your little so he can make a whole lot. This is a mustard seed. You see it? I lied, there's no mustard seed, but if I was holding a mustard seed, that's what it would look like. It's so small. He's like, but it grows so big. He just needs your little so he can make a lot. That's all he needs. Since the beginning of time, though, people have counted themselves out. People have counted themselves unworthy to be loved by God and used by God. We'll call it false humility. People have leaned on false humility from the beginning. Look, false humility is like a cardboard box. It looks like you can go over and lean on it, but as soon as you do, you're going to fall over. False humility is nothing. Let's talk about some guys in the Bible. False, falsely humble people. Let's talk about Abraham. God tells Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Now, the way people counted success back then was sons and crops 
and herds. If you had a bunch of those, you were a baller. So God is coming to Abraham and saying, you're going to be a baller. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Abraham laughs. He says, I'm too old. God's like, I'm not. I'm the beginning and the end, and I'm not too old. Sarah laughs. God's like, why are you laughing? God has the final laugh, and he produces in that couple, 190, he produces generations after generations. That's why we call him Father Abraham, right? All he asked them to do was have marital intimacy. That's it. I mean, how little is that? If God was like, you just got to have some marital intimacy with your wife, I'd be like, all right, that's good. I mean, this is, it's just a little bit. And he turns it into a lot. Sorry, that might have been inappropriate. All right, how about Moses? How about Moses? God goes to Moses. He's like, I love my people. I'm going to get them out of slavery. Moses is like, I can't speak very well. God's like, that's okay, I can. Moses is like, you can't count on me. God's like, I'm not. I'm not counting on you at all. I just want you to partner and walk into that court and say what I tell you to say. That's it. I'm going to give you a staff that turns into a snake. I got all of it. He got all of it. He's just asking Moses for a little bit. A little bit. Moses denies him. So Aaron has to go with him. God rolls his eyes. He's like, come on. I told you I just need a little bit. King Saul. Gideon, some of the disciples. It just goes on and on. And I have a feeling it doesn't end with you and me. Let me read off some of our false humilities. You raise your hand in your heart. Don't raise, this is going to be awkward if you're just throwing that thing up. Okay, raise your hand in your heart. I'm too broke to give. I don't know the Bible enough to teach. Heck, I don't know the Bible enough to go to a, a missional community and converse about the Bible. I'm not wise enough to disciple anybody. I'm not good enough to disciple anybody. My life isn't in order enough to help somebody else get their life in order. I'm not a good enough evangelist. I haven't memorized enough of the Bible to evangelize. I won't be able to answer any questions if I get in some sort of debate with my friend. How, how will I respond? I don't have enough talent to serve at church. I don't even like to be around people. I'm an introvert. So how am I going to do this thing where I'm around people, I love people, I serve people? I'm an introvert, so i got to pass. I got you, I'm a closet introvert. I'm not good enough to get baptized. I'm not good enough to raise my hand and give my life to Jesus. I'm not good enough to worship. Some of you, you want to you buy in and worship. Ryan and team, they're up here. They're worshiping. You feel it. You feel the presence of God. You're like, I want to sing. Not worthy. And what you're saying to God is, don't count on me. And God said, I never was. This is not out of necessity. It's out of joy that I involve you in my mission. Look, until we turn our false humility into holy audacity, we'll never offer to God what we can. Can I say that again? Until we offer our false humility, give it over and trade it in for holy audacity, we'll never offer God or live the life that we want to live 
for Jesus. You know what holy audacity is? It's not pride. It's not swag. It's not confidence in yourself. It's a true humility in your humanity and a true confidence in God's reign, in his power, in his photosynthesis. And until you offer yourself up to holy audacity, and say, yeah, I don't, I don't really have what it takes. All I got is a little, but God has a lot. Until you do that, you're never going to get to experience God in the way you want to experience God. Look, God is the God of the stretch. Can y'all say God of the stretch? One, two, three. God of the stretch. Goodness. God is the God of the stretch. Can y'all say God of the stretch? One, two, three. God of the stretch, which means he takes what little you have and he stretches it. He's been doing it all throughout the scriptures. Remember Stretch Armstrong? No. Some of you do. Raise your hand with me. Help me out. Stretch Armstrong? Yeah. He always got dirty. You kept him around anyway. It was a dirty thing. You just stretched him. You're like, yes. He's going to conquer the bad guys. This is who God is. John 6. A mega church is following Jesus around. Remember this story? John 6. 5,000 to 10,000 people. They were sexist back then. They only counted women or only counted men. So they say 5,000, could have been 10,000, okay? Are following Jesus around. So picture a mega church, but also picture no bagels and no children's ministry. So everybody is hangry, like to the brim. They're, they're full of it. And Jesus looks at them. He's not like, stop being hangry. He has compassion on them. Tells his disciples, feed these folks. His disciples start doing math. They're not that great at it, but they know enough of this. Here's the math, verse 7. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be good enough for each of them to get a little. In other words, we don't even have that. And if we did have that, it would not be enough. Right? One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here, has five barley loaves, Two fish. But, oh, this is the core question that we always ask. But what are they for so many? That's what we ask. This is all I got. What is that for all that you need? This is what we ask all the time. This is the little that I have. What is all that for all? This is why I'm telling you this. Because we are quitters. America is full of a bunch of quitters. We learn when we're three, and we kick the, the Monopoly board over, and we stomp into our room, and we do the same thing when we're 40. We just do it differently. We just don't even start it, right? Hey, I want you to join CrossFit. I'll be terrible at that. I quit now. Bang, we're out. We're out. We, it's the same thing. We're quitters. We're, we're full of false humility, and we always tell God, what is it? What is it anyway? I'm not going to be good at it. I don't have enough talent. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough love. I don't have enough experience. What are they for so many? And when they had eaten their fill, I'm skipping down to the ending. He told, this, or he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. Holy audacity. God swag. This is the God of the stretch. He says, we'll have leftovers. 
How about my favorite giving story? You guys probably already know it. Jesus is chilling in the back of the sanctuary. He's people watching. People give in chests or giving boxes back in the day, giving chests. And they had designated chests. We have a giving box too, by the way. The older pastors always ask me, well, we pass a plate. How do you even get people to give in a box? I always want to tell them, yo, they gave in a box back in the day. So I'm more Jesus-like than you. I just, unnecessary part of the story, but I just needed to get it off my chest, okay? They're giving in boxes. And the rich people, you know, the, the holy people, they're walking up to boxes. They're like, oh, pastor, this is the question in front of everybody. Oh, pastor, is this the one? Is this the one, pastor, right? Then this woman, full of holy audacity, full of surrender, she's broke, walks over to the giving box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more (laughs) than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. This woman had small material, big faith. Biggest offering in the room. And all the rich people in the room started throwing up their $12 lattes. Jesus is like, it's this woman. One last one. Let's go Old Testament with it. His name is Elijah. He's an amazing prophet. God tells him this. Then the word of the Lord came to him, arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I've commanded a widow there to feed you. So this is how they rocked it back in the day, okay? God would tell Elijah where to get food, where to minister, and he would go. So I don't know what he's thinking here, but we do know that widows did not have a lot of money. Excuse me. Widows did not have a lot of money because the male was typically the provider. That's why we saw the widow was poor in the last story. So he's probably not expecting a big three-course meal, but he is expecting that God took me here, so I should get a little spaghetti and some bread. Turn me down a little bit more. A little bit more. It's, It's ringing over here. I should be able to get some bread. Okay, so he goes there, and this is what happens. He asks him for bread. As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I might go in, prepare for myself and my son, that we may eat and die. Is that not the most depressing thing you've ever heard? So Elijah's like, you brought me all the way over here. Not only does this woman not have even a loaf of bread, but her and her, husband, her and her boy are going to die, right? But Elijah has seen this song before. Do not fear, go on and do as, as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me and afterward make something for yourself and your son. Watch this. And she went and did as Elijah said and she and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent. Neither did the jug of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. This is God, the God of the stretch. This is God, the God of the stretch. What you got? What's your little? What what, what little do you have? What, What two coins? What jar of flour? What jug of oil do you got? What mustard seed you got? He's not asking you to carry the whole kingdom. He just wants something. He wants something from you. He wants an offering. He wants a step of obedience. He wants a step of love. He wants you to disciple somebody. Let's strip the metaphors out for a minute. 
No more metaphors. Let's just talk about obedience. What, what do you need to give? Maybe you got to sign up for something. Goodness, you've been here for six months. Would you sign up for something? You've got enough. Pastor, I just need to shop around. You're in the top three of churches. We still got to shop around a little bit. You've been here for six months. Sign up for something and serve Jesus. Just something. Maybe for you it's offering. Let me just tell you flat out. If you're getting money and you're just hoarding it all for yourself, you're not being faithful. So I'll tell you that one right off the list, right off, right off the get-go. If it's that one, he's waiting for that. If you don't give anything to Jesus, it ain't got to be here. It could be to any place that Jesus is serving and building his kingdom. But you got to give. He's waiting on that. Is it to disciple somebody? To pray for someone? To pray with your spouse? Look, Jesus loves men and women the same. We're right next, we're, we're right next to each other, we're co-heirs. Someone step up and say, we have to pray together. Make it nightly, make it two nights a week, make it three times a month. Something. Pray together, read together, serve together. Get, I mean, the children's ministry is full of air conditioned. Get up in that thing and serve with your spouse for Jesus. Actually, we don't want the spouses to be, but, but yeah, just serve for Jesus. What is your step? What is your step? What's your little? God will make it a lot. He's the God of the stretch. Pray with me. And yeah, if someone could help me with this gigantic beast. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Jesus, we give you our little so you can make a lot. for our small step of faithfulness, our small word of boldness, our small act of love. We offer that little so you can, you can make a lot out of it. We trust that you're the God of the stretch. And you're stretching us today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand up? Let's worship together.